Okay, welcome back, y'all. Uh, this is NBA, the podcast that tries to talk about NBA shit, but mostly we just talk a lot of shit. Um, we have a very special guest today. We have Ricky O'Donnell. Um, some of you may know Ricky from his work at SB Nation. Some of you know may, Rick, may know Ricky from his uh, work on the Cash Considerations podcast. And some of you may know him from the tr- tremendous Upside Potential uh, newsletter and blog that he's been working on for the past couple of months, uh, which is why we actually have Ricky on the podcast today. But before we jump into Ricky's stuff that he's working on um we'll just jump into the podcast um as you know by now uh make sure and check out the last couple of episodes we've been doing kind of a uh post-mortem revision history revisionist history of every season since jordan uh retired and we are currently on the 2010-2011 season which is Derek rose's mvp season which you know has a player close place in my heart um so make sure and check out the last couple of episodes make sure and check out last week's episode that we did with Keith from Fast Break Breakfast. We talked about the Grit and Grind Grizzlies. Go even further back, we talked to Kelly about the 90s Bulls, because that was a lot of fun. But I am your host, Jay Keyless, a.k.a. Ka. Why are you detaining me? You about to lose your job. Yeah. You about yeah. to lose your uh-huh. job. Get this dance. Hold on. You about to lose your job, because you are detaining me for nothing. Leonard, um, and uh, my co-host, my brethren with a lot less melanin. Introduce yourself, sir. Hey, it's Tad. No AKs this week. I got nothing. Lazy. I'm not. I'm not happy about it. But we'll get past it. It is a mini so I'll let you. Lazy. Off. The last like four episodes, you had nothing. You came up with some of the worst stuff I've ever seen. Mine is timely and also culturally relevant, and also I use multiple different media sources. So Fine, that makes up a lot for the of last boxes. couple of I'll weeks. Give you, I'll give you credit. <laughs> I'll give you credit. And last but not least, our special guest, Ricky O'Donnell. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to NBA. What up, guys? Thanks for having me on again. Happy to have you. Now, Ricky, we have here at NBA been taking in all that is tremendous upside potential over the last couple of weeks. I don't know that it's exclusively because of the lack of sports, but I have been thoroughly, thoroughly entertained. I have watched many of the Twitch sessions and have really enjoyed the journey that is the, the Western Illinois Leathernecks. Um, I'd like to start today's podcast by having you kind of tell the listeners a little bit about what you've been working on at Tr- uh, Tremendous Upside Potential, and how did you even come up with the idea? Yeah, so it was right after the pandemic hit. Uh, you know, the NBA just stopped. I was the basketball editor at uh, SB Nation, so I was running our NBA coverage, our college hoops coverage. I was all geared up for March Madness that was about to hit. It was going to be Selection Sunday, and then, you know, everything just stops. And so after that, first, you know, the initial wave of, uh, you know, writing about all the fallout of the initial impact of the virus and the pandemic, uh, I started to run out of ideas to write about. So an idea that I had in the back of my head for like over a year was that I wanted to do something on College Hoops 2K8, which was the last college basketball video game made by 2K Sports. Came out when I was in college. Greg Oden's on the cover of it. In case you want like an immediate timestamp of when this game came out, D Rose is on Memphis. You have like OJ Mayo on USC. You have Steph Curry, I believe, as a sophomore on Davidson. James Harden's in it as a freshman at Arizona State. But of course, it doesn't actually say Derrick Rose. It says PG number 23. (laughs) Sure, sure. And I think the number D Rose were in college. But uh, yeah, so. I was trying to decide on like how I wanted to write about this game. Like, should I just do like, you know, 
this game's really cool and like make some headline and maybe people who remember the game would share. But uh, I figured that, you know, I needed a new project to sort of settle myself into. I knew the NBA draft, which is another one of my beats, was going to be far, far away. So I decided to play through a dynasty. I took the worst local team in the game, which was Western Illinois. And I said that my thing was like, you know, can I bring Western Illinois a championship simulating every game, only doing the recruiting and doing the coaching strategies? So I had no idea if anyone would be interested in this. I had the first season played out and I had the notes uh, probably like two weeks before I published it. But I was like, just sort of sitting on it like, you know, is there going to be any audience for this? Are people going to think this is the nerdiest thing ever? Is anyone going to care? But then one day I just finally, you know, committed to it, sat down, cranked it out. And to my shock, people were were pretty into it. Uh, and, you know, that first year, like basically all I was doing was recruiting, you know, the players on my team uh, were just like, you know, these leftover guys who were terrible, who were on the roster of Western Illinois in 2008 or whatever. Right. Uh, but then as I continued to play it out, people would sort of become attached to the recruits because I would sort of blog up the recruiting uh, and, you know, suddenly it sort of became a minor hit. And I think we went to the NCAA tournament for the first time in my third year. In my fifth year, we won a tournament game. Uh, and then in my eighth year, we won the national championship. And I'm still blogging it out now. Now we're on year 13. Uh, we're in the Sweet 16. It's our third ever Sweet 16 trip. Uh, two seasons ago, we were undefeated in the final four, 35-0. and 0. And we got smoked by Michigan State. My old nemesis, Tom Izzo, beat us uh, by 19. So I'm hoping to go for another run. And, you know, the way I do it, basically, is I play out the game. I take notes on everything. I take pictures uh, of my TV, and I crop those down. I compile the notes into – I try to take really comprehensive notes when I'm doing it, but I compile it into, like, a readable blog post or whatever, send it out. And uh, when I get to the Sweet 16 now, I'm streaming the games on Twitch. So, Jay, I appreciate that you've been watching it. Uh, really anyone who's into the fact that I'm playing a video game from 13 years ago and I'm blogging it up, uh, you know, more power to you. Yeah, it's been an amazing community around this thing. Uh, it's a newsletter and, you know, a blog. And I think the newsletter has 7,700 subscribers. Wow. Uh, one of the Twitch streams got 8,000 people on the Twitch stream, uh, just total viewers, concurrent viewers. The high was like 2,500. Uh, and I'm getting emails from people every single day who are fans of the site. I got an email from a guy in, uh, Perth recently. I got an email from a guy in Germany recently on the same day. Uh, so just like interacting with people has been awesome. People have made certain projects around the dynasty. I got a reader in Japan, uh, who's actually writing a fan fiction novel about the team (laughs) that I'm linking every week. Uh, I was on WGN talking about this. I was on The Score talking about this. Everyone sounds very confused. Even it's hard for me to sort of explain like why people are into it and why people care and why I'm taking it so seriously. Uh, But it's super fun. And I feel thankful that I've been able to create like a community around it. We're streaming a Sweet 16 game tomorrow. We got Memphis. John Calipari is still their coach. Uh, If we win, we'll play out the Elite Eight. And then a couple days later, we'll do the Final Four if we're lucky enough to make it. So... Uh, it's been super fun and, uh, you know, I never thought that it would get this big or this popular. It kind of was just a half-baked idea in my brain, but I've, I feel very fortunate that, uh, people have decided to read it and share it and engage with it. And it's been honestly one of the highlights of my career to this point. 
Yeah, I mean, so Jay sent it to me on Twitter a long time ago. Well, I guess a long, maybe a long quarantine time ago. And I was like, "Oh, dope! This game was dope. I used to play this all the time when I was a kid in my basement. I'd throw this on the PS2 and play this nonstop. And then like the PS3 later, and I read the. I, I was sitting on my couch reading the the first like season and maybe two. And my girlfriend was like trying to talk to me and I wasn't paying any attention to her. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, sorry. Uh, I'm reading uh, about this guy who's playing video games as, as Western <laughs> Illinois. And she was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, no, this guy. I'm like, I can't explain it to you. But this guy he's playing a video game as Western Illinois and he's their head coach. And uh, it's like college basketball and he's trying to get him to the tournament. And she looked at me like I was the most insane person, but I was hooked. I was hooked from the minute I read like the first one, I was like following along the recruiting. I was like, this is fast. I would honestly probably read this. Even if it there was sports on like, that's how good it was. Like that's how like involved I felt from the beginning. So I, I, while I understand it's like this crazy thing, and I couldn't even begin to explain it to her. I was still, I still also understand how it's like this fascinating thing that so many people are latching onto. What was really funny is like, so, you know, I think in the third year we were playing for the right to make the tournament. We were in the summit league title game and I'm like, shit, I'm going to watch this game. Like I'm going to put the controller in the middle I'm gonna sit down <laughs> and watch it. I'm going to record some video on my phone and uh, we're going to see how this goes. And my girlfriend is sitting next to me and she's like, so wait, you're, you're taking photos of the TV of a video game. You're not even playing and what, like you're screaming at the TV. Like what, what's going on? <laughs> I couldn't even begin to describe it. It's very weird. Now I'm, I'm up here living with her in Iowa just for a little bit and uh, doing it here in Iowa. It also just, it seems very strange to be doing uh, <laughs> I, I almost feel a little guilty about it because I get so hyped up during the streams. Uh, and that all started with the first stream we did, which was in our eighth year when we uh, won the national championship. I guess I'm given spoilers. Maybe I shouldn't have been given spoilers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, I mean, there were people like ever the chat was so hyped up. Jay, I don't know if, you, or if either of you guys were on it, but like the chat was super hyped up. I felt like I was channeling my inner Tom Thibodeau and like really trying to get into it. And like, you know, I was, I was quite frankly losing my mind. I probably sounded like a crazy person to anyone who watched <laughs> that stream. Uh, and then I proceeded to just take slugs of Malort afterwards because I mean, what else do you do when you're a champion? When you're a national champion, what else are you supposed to do to celebrate? But of course, but of course. And then I wake up the next morning super hungover and there's an email from uh, an apparel company that's like, hey, we'll make a t-shirt for your you know, your star player who is this center I recruited named Deke Van. Deke. Uh, and so, you know, we sold a bunch of t-shirts too, and that's been tight. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to hint at it right here. There might be a Deke Van, a Deke Van spinoff coming at some point in the, in the future. We'll see. Ooh. That's a little teaser for you. Maybe it's in the works already. Maybe I already know what I'm doing <laughs> with it, but uh, that could be out pretty soon. So yeah, we're on year 13 now. I'm going to keep doing it. I, uh, like I said, I got furloughed by SB Nation for three months until August 1st. So uh, the NBA is coming back. I was wondering if I should like start writing my basketball takes on the newsletter. But like, you know, people subscribe for the video game thing. And I think that that's what people want. So 
I'm going to keep playing it out as long as people are interested in it. And I really appreciate everyone for engaging with it. It is great. It's been highly entertaining. I think Deke Van might be my favorite player of the entire uh, 13-year history of of Ricky California and his and his Western Illinois Leathernecks. I, I have to ask, because like we were talking about this amongst ourselves, why 2K? Like, is that your favorite college basketball slash college sports game of all time? Like, what, what made you settle on that as the game? Well, it's the last game. It's the last college game they made. So you could get 2K7 with J.J. Redick on the cover, but there's no 2K9. Uh, so I guess the reason I liked it is because what I would do is I'd play with my buddy Scott Phillips, who's a college basketball writer for NBC Sports. And Scott and I would just be chilling, and we would like start a dynasty and recruit against each other and then play the games against each other uh, when we actually faced off. We'd schedule each other once a year, and then like every once in a while we'd play each other in the tournament. So I always did it with him. Uh, and then, you know, he had a baby and moved to the suburbs and became an adult. And I'm just like, you know, not an adult whatsoever. I'm like, I think I'm going to start playing video games and ask people to give me money for it. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and people keep giving me money, so I'm just going to keep doing oh it. Oh, my right God. Now. That it, is so uh, funny. It really yeah, is the most sort of entertaining game. Like, because they force you to start as a small school. Like, you can't you can't just be Duke, right? Like, you can't just say, hey, I want to be Duke. And it's funny you talk about this because my cousin Sam and I used to play this game all the time, and we would do the same thing. We'd, like, create storylines. We'd, like, make this stuff up as we'd play. You know, we were, like, 16, 17 years old. And we'd be, like, you know, like, doing all that. He'd play. He always plays Jacksonville State, I believe. And I would always, always be Oral Roberts. And, like, it, it, it's – but, I mean, you you make such a good point, though, right? Like, you can you can make all this stuff up and do all these crazy things. And you're recruiting and, you know, you're playing against one another. And it's just – it's fascinating. And I think that – I think that might be a little bit of the appeal of it, right? Like, is it, it draws you in so much. You're like, oh, yeah, like, this is this is so cool. Like, it's it's fake, but it, it's so real. And, like, you've you've created this, like, real thing that I think people really, like, are drawn to. Tight. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think like one thing is that it's an underdog story. Like if I would have somehow done this with a big school, I think there's a mode where you can just take whatever school you want and max out your coach right away. Uh, but if I would have done that, I don't think there would have been as much interest. Like college basketball and college sports fans in general are just so biased. Like these people have like lifelong passions and hatreds for certain schools. Right. But Western Illinois, like, no one hates Western Illinois. Yeah. Like, you haven't done anything, right? Like, you could not name a single athlete from Western Illinois ever, right? At least I couldn't, and I'm a professional sports writer. Yep, uh, so I think that, you know, the wow. fact that it was a team that, like, no one hated, they had a hilarious name, the Leathernecks, which I had no idea is, like, a military thing. I was almost a little offended when I read that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn, we, we picked the troops? I didn't even realize we picked the troops. Uh but it's just like a funny name. It's such a small school. And then, yeah, I think the people, when I write about the recruiting, people sort of get invested in it. And they're like, oh, damn, I hope he gets that, uh, you know, Bertrand guy. And then I get Bertrand. And now you want to keep reading to see how Bertrand does. Yeah. And by that time, I've already hooked, hopefully hooked the readers on the next recruit uh, who they're excited to see. And then I think like simming the game and watching it, like the gameplay is pretty good. It's it really is. Eight, but like it's it's relatively realistic. There's also the thrill of like seeing like which side the computer is going to make worse decisions for. 
uh, like in the fifth, in the seventh season, actually, our boy Deke Van, before he got his redemption as a senior, he took a really stupid shot in an NCAA tournament game against NC State. We were up two with like seven seconds left. He should have just waited and got fouled, but instead he took some stupid shot. NC State rebounds it, throws it down the length of the floor, and they hit like a 35-foot buzzer beater three. You couldn't write it that good. And when I got that, I was like, everyone was reaching out to me being like, oh my God, we're so sorry. Is it like, <laughs> In reality, I'm thinking, this, this is great. Like, oh, yeah. I'm so happy this happened. That's hilarious. People are going to be more invested in it. And that was actually the last post of SB Nation. Then I transferred it over to the uh, newsletter. And then the next year, we won the national title uh, in the eighth year. And yeah, so I've been trying to recapture that magic. People have still been sticking with it even after the national title, which has been dope. Uh, someone, this reader named Evan, started a database, a Google spreadsheet database, tracking yeah. every recruit and program history. And it's then there's crazy. a map from like it's where crazy. they came from. It has like their progression year to year. They're like star rating as a recruit. It's super dope. Uh, and yeah, he also actually calculated our Summit League winning streak. We've won like 84 games in the Summit. We're like 147 and two, uh, or whatever, over the last eight seasons in the Summit League. So yeah, now the question is though, like, you know, everyone's reaching out to me, like, you know, if you win the title this year since we're in the Sweet 16, are you going to leave? Like, what left do you have to accomplish at Western Illinois? And I'm like, you know, these are questions I didn't really think about when I was getting myself into this. Uh, so we'll see where this takes me. Like I've loved sticking with the Leathernecks. The Western Illinois basketball actual account was tweeting out deep van images when we were in the national title game. So that was hilarious. That's and uh, I guess, you know, Western Illinois was actually in the local news for the first time that I can remember in my life because they hired Morgan Park's coach, Nick yeah. who's one of the premier high school coaches in the state. Helps run the Mac Irvin Fire AAU program, which is a big AAU program on Nike's EYBL circuit. And immediately, like, they landed this kid from Curie who's supposed to be their best recruit ever. And, uh, you know, the Irvin family has a bunch of connections. And their head coach, Western Illinois' actual head coach, is this guy, Rob Jeter, who's a longtime Chicago basketball guy. So now it's like, well, maybe Western Illinois will do something. Uh, maybe they're starting to actually do what I did in the video game, and that could be kind of cool. So, <laughs> if if the, if Western Illinois wins a national championship in eight seasons, I'll never the next like eight years from now, if they win a national title, I will quit watching basketball for the rest of my life. <laughs> and you can, I will, I will put that out here right now. If that happens, whack, I'll quit. it'll be it's incredible. Honestly, like what I don't want, I don't need to see anything after this. After you did it, and then they go on a run and do it, I don't. I'm done. There's nothing else for me to see. You heard it here first, people. Um, <laughs> well, listen, Ricky. I don't want to. Put, I don't want to put you on the spot. Obviously, there's rumors out there of you know DePaul's looking at you. Maybe Tennessee. Couple couple job offers out there for Ricky. Don't want to put you on the spot. This is not what we're here for. Um, obviously, we're coming off of a year 12 where you were upset, and it was kind of a weird year. Upset in the Sweet 16, or pardon me, coming into this year. In the Sweet 16, up against Memphis. How you feeling? Good. I mean, my team's super dope. We got the two highest rated players in program history. My boy, Burt Drawn. He was Mr. Basketball out of Chicago five years ago. He's a redshirt senior. And then we got my boy, M.A. Terrell, out of Dallas, six foot four shooting guard. So those two guys are like sick three and D wings. Everyone expected Drawn to be like Jordan, but he's actually more of a Pippin. He just sort of like fills in the gaps. He doesn't like to be the high volume shot taker. 
But in both of the tournament games, he was ripping threes. He he was grabbing boards. He led the team in rebounding in the regular season at small forward. Uh, so we got those two dudes. And then we have our best recruit ever, this guy, Billy Assell. He was the number 25 overall recruit out of Indianapolis. We got him. He's a 6'4 point guard. So he's a junior. He's the only new starter. And I don't know if you guys watched the Gonzaga game in year 13, but Billy Assell just whooped their ass. He was ripping threes. He was dunking on them. He was cooking folks off the dribble. I mean, it was a clinic. He finished with 24 and 11. It was like child's play out there. Uh, so I think like those three guys in the perimeter are just awesome. And then we got a pretty good front court too. We got a 7-1 center who likes to shoot threes, uh, who can't really rebound or block shots. That's like our weak point. Uh, we don't have great rim protection, but we got like uh, – I'm trying to think of a comp for my boy Hoyer. I'm thinking like Mehmet Okur. <laughs> you guys remember him? He's a draft. Yeah, he's an O'Kerr type, uh, and we got a good bench. So I really like this team, but we got Memphis in the next round. Calipari's rated 100 overall in coaching. My coach, Coach Rick, Ricky Charisma, as I like to call myself, I'm only an 87, so Memphis is going to have a big coaching advantage. And then if we win, we'd have to play Kansas again. We've already played Kansas twice on Twitch streams. We'd have to play them again. They're rated, I think, a 99 or 100 overall. We're also 100 overall. Uh, so that'll be a tough game. But I'm feeling very confident, actually. I think my team's sick. We have a great combination of three and D wings who can hit outside shots, but like force turnovers, really good in the press. And then a point guard who can create off the dribble. And it was 6'4 in uh, rips three. So I'm loving this team. I actually think this is my best team ever. And, you know, we had a great team two years ago. We were 35-0 and in the final four and lost. So it makes you appreciate a little bit more what we were able to do in year eight when we actually cut down the nets and became the champion. I have no idea if we're going to be able to pull this off. I think the team's good enough to do it, and it's happening you know, tomorrow night on Twitch, 7.30 Chicago time, Central time, when we're going to stream the scene and hopefully the Elite Eight game. Let's hope. So Let's hope. You, you said, curiously, you said this is your, you think that your best team ever. What's your favorite team? Which, which year is your favorite team? It's got to be the national title year, the year we won. I mean, it was so unexpected and so ahead of schedule. We had never even been to the Sweet 16. We had never won the second round tournament game. And then we go on as a 10 seed and become the lowest seeded team to ever win the national championship. I mean, I think that that should put me in the Hall of Fame immediately. I want it like... How is he still an 87, people? 10 seed? That, that is actually kind of crazy when you say that you, he's only an 87 overall and you, you, you took a, a 10 seed to the national championship. And he was worse then. He gets better because like as you accomplish things, you get coaching points, right? So the joke in the, in the newsletters that I call myself Ricky Charisma because I put all my points in the charisma rating instead of the actual coaching rating because with charisma, that lets you recruit better right. players. Right. Like my offense and defense rating aren't that good or they weren't for a while. And then there's a discipline rating that I still haven't touched. I'm a player's coach. I'm not disciplined. <laughs> but all that like factors into your coaching score. But I really don't care. Like just give me the best players. We'll roll the ball out there. And uh, it's worked so far. I mean, you know, we've been to two final fours and hopefully we can get to another one this year. We'll see. We're in the sweet 16. So. Let's do it. Yeah, I Let's mean, you can't it. you can't be a discipline. You you got to be a players coach at a place like Western Western Illinois. Like, I mean, if you're gonna get the guys there, it's got to be a free for all. Guys, do whatever you want. I don't care. Show up to practice, win games. That's all I need from you. Yeah, and there's all these unsubstantiated rumors about recruiting violations. Please, Western Illinois is a family program. 
we want to see our, our young men succeed. So, yeah, no, I haven't touched the discipline rating. I do wonder, like, would the team win more games if I had a higher discipline rating? Like, these are some questions that I ask myself. But the way to get these points is you have to, like, accomplish things. And now, like, all the goals are really hard to get. Like, I got to get, like, a McDonald's All-American which I haven't been able to do. I got to recruit an All-American or I need to sign a five-star at the early signing period, which I haven't been able to do yet. Uh, So there's some tough ones out there, especially when you're in the Summit League, but there are coaching points for going to a bigger conference. And then there's actually another coaching point for getting a lifetime contract. So maybe I'll get a lifetime contract at Western. Maybe we win the title and I bounce. Maybe DePaul makes me a godfather offer and I decide to go mess with the old Big East, which is just like a murderer's row in that game. It's so hard. You have like Syracuse in there and, uh, you know, Pitt's awesome and you right. amazing. And it's just like the old Big East from college basketball. And, you know, we were all in high school and college. And uh, so I don't know. We'll see. Or maybe I stick with the Leathernecks for 40 years and try to become the all-time winningest coach. Maybe I get bored and stop doing this. Who's to say, really? Wow. There's the the options are endless. I do have to say one <laughs> one last thing before we move on to Jay's next question. Western Illinois administration, do the right thing. Give Ricky California his lifetime contract. No man has done more in the history of that institution outside of perhaps the founder than Ricky California. <laughs> the man deserves his lifetime I, contract. I should mention we keep calling him Ricky California and he just informed us that it's ricky charisma so well, we should, both we should, okay good yeah. okay, so make sure we're on the same i like the california one because that's what that was the right. that was like season two right. right when you were recruiting like the juco's from california or whatever and people start they, they said you won't recruit the local players yeah i love that yeah we're going to california we're getting the best and the brightest so <laughs> yeah uh, just oh, because man. i haven't stepped foot in simeon's gym in my life doesn't mean that <laughs> i need to be branded with ricky california that's fair. That's fair. So we've mentioned it. We've dropped a couple names over the last 13 years. Is there one player that is near and dear to Ricky's heart? Well, obviously Deke Van is the most well-known player in program history because we sold a hundred t-shirts. Uh, <laughs> Van, so that's pretty tight. Uh, but my favorite, I think was Powell. Phil Powell, who was a 6'10", 250-pound small forward who was coming off the bench during year eight, ripping shots. He was really good. He was also the only player thus far to leave early to go to the NBA, so that's dope. We're sending kids into the league. That's what we want to see. And our point guard this year, Asel, is honestly incredible. Uh, The Twitter commenters have nicknamed him the Ass Man, which I think is (laughs) a Uh, so if he comes back for his Red Bull senior season, he will be the best player in program history, no doubt. But I think he's turning pro. He's like, uh, you know, he's kind of like a Goran Dragic type where he's like six, four, he can shoot pretty well. He's pretty fast, pretty good going to the rim. You could say John Wall with less elite speed and a little better shooting. There's a lot of comparisons floating around for him. So, uh, yeah. And then, like I said, I think we're gonna, we're gonna do some sort of some sort of side project with this as well, uh, which might factor in some old players. Who knows? We'll see. Okay. That could be coming out in the next week or two. So, you know, trying to grow the email, trying to keep people interested. I love it. I absolutely I, love it. I think, I think uh, Giovanni Nelke was maybe my favorite player. Baller. Just, it felt like when, 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 when you signed him, it felt like the program was turning the corner. 
like that. It felt like it felt like all the hard work was finally paying off and that we, you know, like things were going in, in the right direction. Uh, so that's just I mean, that's just my my two cents. But I, yeah, I just well, wanted to and, say that, you know, Nelky, he grew two inches. He was a six, four point guard. I'm like sick. I love a tall point guard. Then he grows to six, six. So we start him at small forward. He was just so versatile, ripped some big shots in that tournament run. I love Nelky. That's my guy. Well, we've talked about college hoops at nauseum at this point and probably could all day, but I do want to transition to the NBA. Um, Ricky, the, as you mentioned previously, the NBA is returning. They've announced their, their plan for a return. What are your thoughts on this 22 team, like play in tournament thing that they're doing? And how confident are you that at the end of it all, when the dust clears, the Orlando magic will be the champions. You don't have to, you don't have to answer that by the way. Uh, I think that they're definitely motivated by money more than anything else. Sure. Uh, like Adam Silver had not talked to the media since I think April 17th during the pandemic. But the last time he did speak to the media, he said he was going to be he was going to be beholden to the data, not the date, meaning we're going to put player safety first. We're going to make sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're not just going to rush back and say, yeah, we're going to be back July 1st. No, like we're going to wait until we have some actual science behind us and make an informed decision. But it sure doesn't seem like they did that. It sure seems like they were just like, well, time's running out. We got to crown a champion. Uh, so, you know, let's come up with the most pragmatic plan we can. And I think that's what they did. It sounds good in theory. I think it could potentially be, you know, really fun to watch for us. Uh, but I think there's a ton of question marks. Like in addition to the fact that the virus is still a very present part of American life, even if everyone wants to forget about it at this point. You also have these guys coming off these basically mini off seasons where they weren't even allowed in team practice facilities to stay in shape. So like, I'm worried guys are going to get hurt. We've already seen that Luke is out of shape, which is kind of funny. I'm sure Luke will be fine. But, you know, uh, a more realistic concern, I think, is just like the soft tissue injuries that keep someone out. You know, God forbid, you got you got to think that, like, someone's probably going to get the virus in the bubble. Oh, right? for sure. Uh, and when that happens, it's like they already said they're not going to shut down the season. Like, that player is just going to be quarantined by themselves. They're going to be testing everyone. But we know how quickly the virus can spread. So I think there's a ton of risk. I think that the NBA is mostly motivated by money and recouping, you know, some of these TV contracts they lost the players have motivation to come back monetarily too, because they want to get their paychecks. They want the salary cap to be as high as possible next year. Right. Uh, so I think the NBA's plan is a hope and a prayer and they're just hoping everything is pretty chill and praying that no one gets really sick or really hurt. And we're going to see how it goes. Like that kind of seems like where we're at with this thing. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think that it's ridiculous the NBA is coming back because I get the realities of the situation from all parties. I'm also not going to say that it's like definitely a great thing that they're coming back because I think there is a lot of risk. It's like a pretty risky proposition. So they're hoping and praying. I guess I will too. We'll just see how it goes. Yeah, it feels right. No, no comment on the magic. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> nobody wanted to hear that bullshit. No, um, I did. <laughs> thank you. See, thank you. He had one I, positive I, thing I like to say. Jonathan I like Jonathan you Isaac. Shut you up. Know Shut up. Know this. Shut up. Um, <laughs> no, I agree. I, and I, we talked about this the last couple of weeks. I think like 
it's um it's going to be interesting. Um, apparently Nikola Jokic has a has abs now, so that's that's cool. Uh, good for him. Finally, um, the, the little miniature offseason worked out. Um, I don't know. It's going to be weird. I think like a lot of people are talking about like Astros. I think the only team that could like get an Astros if they win is Houston. Like I just won't allow it. I won't accept it. I won't. I will not call them my champion if they win. Uh, even though I did have them as my preseason champion. Um, but I digress. Um, do you not like the five out small ball? Are you not super into that? I love that shit. I, I can watch I that all day. I do. It's fun. It's fast. It is. I just like at this point, at this point, I find it very hard to be in support of the style of play in which James Harden plays. It's just, I just have a really hard time getting excited about it. And I can acknowledge the greatness. I can, I can, I can recognize the numbers and and what he does. I just, I just don't like watching him. I don't enjoy it. And it, honestly, for the last like two months of the season, that was Russ's team anyway. So like, I don't know that, that team is just like it, the, the whole like small ball five thing is, is interesting or the small roster. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just can't root for James Harden. I just can't get it in. I, I can't, I can't get it out of myself. I don't know. This is just who I am. This is who I've become. I can't well, root for him either. I feel you. I feel your pain. Thank you. Yeah. I love the small ball though. Like putting a small forward at center. That was a classic video game move for me back in the day. And now the league has actually become that. So I think that that's really interesting. I also love the Brody. I've always been a Westbrook guy. Who cares about the numbers? Westbrook plays with more passion than anyone I've ever seen. So I love Westbrook. Uh, but I do think that like, there probably should be an asterisk next to it, I guess. I mean, I don't know, like next year too, probably, considering it's going to be a condensed season. I'm also worried about, you know, the impact of restarting this year on next season. For instance, like the owners are going to want to try to play as many games as possible to recoup all the revenue that they can. So we're already seeing reports that like, oh yeah, the league's going to be back to four four games in five nights and, you know, back-to-backs you know, multiple times in the same month and stuff like that. Like even factoring out how fatigued and how fair it's unfair. It's going to be to the two teams in the finals. Like if game seven of the finals is October 14th and the season opens December 1st. Yeah. I mean, that is really, really tough. I think you're looking at a scenario where load management gets pushed to the absolute brink. Like LeBron's probably playing half the regular season games at best next year. Right. Uh, so I don't know. I think that there's just a lot of variables and there's a lot of risk, but we'll see, man. This is the this is the reality we find for ourselves. Yeah. Tip off. Why? Like, why don't? Can't they just like? I mean, I don't know. Like, like, can't we push? Like, I I understand like the 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 money aspect of it, but I, to me, it's just like, why don't we push the start of the season like as far? Like, why don't we just tip off on Christmas Day? I mean, you know, still talking what four weeks after the finals. Yeah. Now to me, the the fact that they said December 1st, like that might give them some negotiating power to make Christmas day, the actual like end point. Yeah. Where they negotiated down to that. So that probably does make sense. I just hope they don't play too many games next year. Like here's the other thing that I've always thought about basketball. Cause I've, I covered the game at the high school level, the college level in the league, or I had been when I had a job. Uh, but like in the NBA, you play 82 games. That's twice as many games as you play in any other level. Like in college, even if you go to the title game, you're playing 40 games maximum. Most teams are playing much less than that. Right. Right. And then in high school, you're playing like 30 games. So 
you know, we have load management. Why do we have load management? Is because is it because the stars aren't tough enough? No. It's because they play way more games than they should just so the owners can make more money. Right. Now the players have started to be like, well, actually, you know, we do have a lot of autonomy. We do have a lot of power over these situations and they want to, you know, prioritize their own health uh, because the schedule is just too long anyway. So my hope for next year is that we actually get like a reasonable amount of games from the player side uh, and not too many to try to recoup money from ownership. So I know it's all connected and, you know, the player salaries are tied to how much revenue the teams are making. It's a tough situation without a lot of easy answers, but uh, you know, this is the situation that he finds itself in. Well, if, if you had to, if you had to like change, like if you had to put a new number on the amount of games in a season, what would you, what, what would you say? Are we talking like a normal season? Yeah. Like if we had a, a full on, Regular yeah. season. How about like 68? Now, everyone gets so worked up because of the numbers, like the stats. Yeah. But like that, to me, is more of a reality in baseball where you have like a 40 home run season means something. And like, right. you know, that's prorated by 162 games. But in basketball, like already the numbers are so skewed compared to previous eras because the tempo is so much different now. Like you have so many more possessions now. Like when you... You know, when you look at Harden averaging, what did Harden average last year? Like 38 a game or something? Like, you know, all the, like, Westbrook averaging a triple-double. I never thought I would see someone average a triple-double yeah. when I was becoming a diehard NBA fan in, you know, junior high or whatever. Uh, and just because of the way the game's transformed in the way that really the NBA has pushed the game of basketball to its, like, outermost limits – already just in terms of like the percentage of shots from three uh you know the tempo how they're downsizing downsizing lineups and taking speed and skill over size that you wonder where it has to go from here so i think that you know 68 games would be maybe a a more fair schedule and then perhaps you wouldn't have stars sitting out all the time yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you. I've always thought like 65 to 70. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I don't want to be the guy that advocates for less basketball because I would love to have more. But I also think at the same time, like I think there's a, a pretty good argument to be made uh, for like limiting the season to some degree. So, yeah. Yeah, just from a quality perspective. Well, Ricky, I, I got a couple more questions for you. These are more Bulls-centric. And as I mentioned previously in the podcast, listeners, uh, Ricky has a Bulls podcast. It's fantastic. It's called the Cash Considerations Podcast. Make sure you check that out. Two questions for you, Ricky. For the Bulls fans out there, um, if we were to assume that on draft day we were slotted at seven, as we have been for many years and look to be right now, who should Bulls fans be keying in on? Whose videos should we be watching? Who, who excites you at that seven spot? You know, a lot of the bloggers, <clears throat> I'm sorry, and podcasters like myself have Killian Hayes as like a top three pick, but I think realistically he could fall to seven. And that's who I would really like for them to get. Killian Hayes is an 18-year-old point guard from France. He was just playing for a team called Ulm, which I believe is in the German league. Uh, he's about six foot five, does not have elite speed or elite shooting ability, but his shooting ability really improved this year uh he's able to run a pick and roll beyond his years he's got some pull-up ability uh that's really improved since he went to the german league this year and he's just like a big guard who's in control of the game and who can pass who can dribble who can shoot a little bit 
Uh, he's not someone who's going to like burn you off the dribble and dunk on your head. That's not the type of game he has. But he does have, you know, think someone like Malcolm Brogdon, maybe, with Killian Hayes, where he just has like control of the game, good defensive player, big. In a bad draft, if you could get a guy like that at seventh overall, I think that would be a very good pick. I would probably have Killian Hayes as ah, two or three on my board. Uh, so if they could get him at seven, that would be tight. A uh, couple other guys, Devin Vassell is a 3-and-D wing out of Florida State. I don't think he has much upside as a creator, and because of that, I'm not sure if he has much upside as a star. But just in terms of like being a piece to a winning basketball team, I think you definitely need guys like that. He reminds me a little bit of Michael Bridges, who quietly had a very good second season this year for the Suns. Yeah, he really did. Uh, and, you know, while... Vassal might not be quite as long as Bridges. I think he's a little stronger and he can maybe slide up a position a little bit easier. Bridges is skinny. So Vassal, I think, is a good pick. My favorite sleeper in this draft is Vassal's teammate, actually, Patrick Williams, who was a freshman at Florida State, whose thighs are like the size of my torso. And he's super young and he can shoot and he's just like mega jacked. And I think that, you know, he just has the tools that you look for with a little bit of a shooting stroke. Uh, so Patrick Williams would be my favorite sleeper. But, yeah, I mean, I think LaMelo Ball is the best prospect in the draft, no doubt. If the Bulls got the first pick, I'd for sure take LaMelo. Uh, then I really like Killian Hayes quite a bit. And if he was available at number seven, I think that'd be a great pick for the Bulls. Yeah, I've read a, I've read a lot about Killian Hayes. I've watched a lot of his because I know um, – uh, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer has him in his, as his number one prospect on his draft board. So I started looking into him. The only thing that I took from watching his videos and reading about him is he doesn't have much of a right hand, which concerns me. I mean, he is 18, but like seems like he's very left-hand dominant. Um, I think the guy that I've been like keying in, and I'd love to know your opinion on this, is like I've been watching a lot of Tyrese Halliburton. There's just something about his game where like he he kind of he feels to me as like like the the second best point guard in the draft. I guess if, if you consider Killian Hayes more of a point guard than than maybe third best point guard in the draft, but like seems like a a mature playmaker who like the Bulls from my perspective could could drastically use as somebody who can like set guys up and like get players their shots in potentially a new offense depending on who our new new coaches. So Halliburton's really interesting because his stats were incredible both of his seasons in college. Like his freshman year, he was an off the radar recruit. No one ever heard of this guy as a freshman. I think he was a three star comes in and he puts up like a top five offensive efficiency rating in the country. His true shooting percentage is out of control. His assist rate's out of control. He's hitting 40% of his threes or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, as a sophomore, he comes back and he is actually a starter on the team now and he raises his usage, but maintains his efficiency. So I think that's typically what you want to see. Uh, but I have a lot of questions about Halliburton. Like to me, he is just totally incapable of creating offense off the dribble in the half court. And so when that happens, I think that he's just not going to be like a point guard. He's not going to be your lead initiator. He's like a, I saw someone use the term, he's a linking player. And by that, I think they mean he could be like a guy who just does a little bit of everything, brings a lot to the table, doesn't really take much off the table. He has good size. He's a very good spot up shooter. He's a heady passer. He rebounds for his position. But I don't think you could like give the ball to this guy and have him run in isolation at the NBA level and he's going to like get to the basket and finish. And then if you can't break the defense down off the dribble, then you're not like collapsing the defense and, you know, being able to get shooters open, finding them. 
you know, if you want a comparison for him, I think he plays more like Lonzo Ball than Lamelo does. And I mm-hmm. loved Lonzo Ball as a prospect coming out, and I still like Lonzo Ball quite a bit as a player. I think he was quietly very good this year for New Orleans. Uh, so I just don't know if Halliburton's going to be on that level defensively. Like, I think Lonzo, part of his value is that he is a very good defensive point guard. Uh, Halliburton, I just, I just don't know if he's going to get there, but his stats are awesome. You typically want to bet on positional size, shooting, and great stats. So it's sort of hard for me to be like, well, my eye test says he's not going to be able to create off the dribble in the NBA. Like, what the hell do I know? Right. So maybe Halliburton would be good. To me, he doesn't have super high upside, and I would probably go for a player with higher upside. Uh, but I think that, you know, Halliburton could be like a positive starting player on a good team, potentially. For sure. You know, Jay, I just want to say one quick thing. The last thing the Bulls got from Iowa State was Fred Hoiberg, and that didn't work out very well. They also once got Marcus Pfizer and uh, Tim Floyd. So, like, I'm just saying, man, stop taking people from Iowa State. It's a trash school in a trash town full of trash people. That's all you need to know. Well, it was very well, it was very hard for me to settle on that. I didn't want to I didn't want to get on the bandwagon of an Iowa State guy either based on our history, but I don't know. Well, how about this though, guys, like remember the year they sold the Jordan Bell pick and we were all pissed and the Bulls rationale was, well, our board dried up. There wasn't anyone we liked left, which is just ridiculously stupid. It was like How is that po- how is that possible? Like how is how is it possible that <laughs> I, I guess maybe I just underestimate the uh what's the word I'm looking for? Um, my God, I can't think of the word. That's not stupidity. stupidity. Incompetence. The incompetence of the Gar Foreman, John Paxson, uh, leadership in Chicago. But like, how do you not have a contingency? Like just how, how do you not have someone? And my point was going to be, you know, who was on the board at that pick was Monte Morris out of Iowa state. Who's ended up being really good. Like Mm -hmm. if they were taking Monte Morris pick it would have been like hey that's cool yeah. and we wouldn't shit on him for sure yeah. because we took an Iowa State guy and we would have right. got choked <laughs> off and then they right. could have been like well actually fuck you he's good so right, right. I I will say this too. I never, so I went to Iowa. I'm from Iowa so shouts to you being in Iowa. Um, yeah, right yeah. But uh, I, I I will say I have never ever hardly ever said anything good about an Iowa State basketball player but Monte Morris when he was there I tweeted probably five years ago Monte Morris is a top five point guard in the in the country right now. So yeah, credit to him. Glad the Bulls didn't end up with him. Well, um, last question for you, Ricky, and then we'll let you go. And thank you so much for your time. Um, a lot of rumors sw- swirling around about Jim Boylan's future with the Bulls. Uh, Joe Cowley came out recently saying that's pretty much a done deal, and he's pretty much out. Um, a lot of names being thrown out there to replace him. Kenny Atkinson, Adrian Griffin, Emi Udoka, anybody that's on your radar in particular that could potentially fill that role after Jim Boylan is hopefully very ceremoniously let go. Yeah, I wish I had an answer I felt strongly about for this. I think that it's pretty tough to project how assistants are going to be as head coaches. Uh, So I don't really know, but I do like Adrian Griffin. I think that that would be just a really, that would like get some positive momentum going right? If they got Adrian Griffin, he was an assistant under Tibbs. He was an assistant under Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse is probably the best coach in the league for my money. Uh, So there's no one better to get experience under. But like, I don't know what type of philosophies Adrian Griffin is going to bring to the team. So that's why it's like tough for me to give him a full endorsement. I do know that Adrian Griffin's son, AJ Griffin, is an absolute baller. He might be the best American born high school basketball player in the country. 
He's a Duke commit. There's no way he'll play at Duke. I'm just going to say that now. He's going to go straight to the pros. He's incredible. Uh, he's rated ninth in the last ESPN rankings, and it's like an affront to the game of basketball. Like this kid is obviously number one or number two in his class. He's a stud. He's like a six seven or six eight wing who just splashes shots all over the floor and dunks in your face. So you know the Bulls need a superstar. They need a coach. <laughs> Why not? Give me Adrian Griffin. You tear it down. This rebuild's not going anywhere anyway, obviously. And give me AJ Griffin in the 2022 or whatever draft or 2023, whenever he's going to be eligible, depending on what route he takes. And, uh, you know, let's, let's just latch on to the Griffin family. Why not? I'm here for it. We need a star. Zach Levine's only going to be here for another year. So, um, well, you, that sounds like you called Zach Levine a star, which I'm going to stop you right there. You're right. I'll, I'll pump the brakes. Uh, we recently discovered that, uh, Zach Levine is essentially Monte Ellis. When you look at the go look at their go compare their compare their stats. It's mind blowingly comparable. It's insane. That's where we are. Monte Ellis is pretty good. I mean, Zach's okay. You just don't want to see Zach as the best player on the team. No, like right, exactly. Yes. If you could have Zach in an off ball role, like now they have no one who can dribble the goddamn ball. So you have Zach running the isolation, Zach running the pick and rolls, and he's just not a good enough decision maker on a consistent basis to give you good offense. But like, imagine Zach in a JJ Redick role or in a Clay Thompson role where his closeout, like him attacking a closeout so much more furiously because of his athleticism and he's got the shooting ability. I think that, you know, he, Zach could still be a pretty good player, but the fact that they're counting on him to be the best player is just totally ridiculous. And it's unfair to Zach, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, I agree with that. That's my two cents. I Listen, we're, I go back and forth on him. I have a lot of opinions. I have a lot of text threads about Mr. Le, Mr. Levine. Um, well, Ricky, we really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Um, for the people who are unfamiliar with Tremendous Upside Potential, where can they find it? Where can they find what you're working on and all the things in the Ricky O'Donnell world? Yeah, so you can uh, find the newsletter that's at rickyodonnell.substack.com. That's where you're going to get all your hot Western Illinois news. Uh, We got a game on Twitch tomorrow, so you can watch the game if you're going to be into it. It's actually a really fun community, super positive. Uh, It's it's been pretty incredible to see people rally around the project. So check that out on Twitch. My Twitch name is Richard P. O'Donnell. I'll link it out in the uh, newsletter too. So you can chill with that and yeah. This is what I'm doing for a little bit. And, you know, I'm also doing Cash Considerations, my Bulls podcast. If you're a Bulls fan, you can find that wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Cash Considerations. Me and Jason Pat do that together. That's right. Make sure and check it out, people. Watch the Twitch. Read the newsletter. We all appreciate it, Ricky. You've been giving us something to look forward to, somebody to root for, because I'm not watching Korean baseball. Uh, <laughs> Tad, let's uh, let's plug and let's get out of here. <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at Tad Hall underscore, and you can follow me on Instagram at Tad.Hall. That's, That's right. Follow me at J underscore Kilos on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow MBA at MBA Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please don't forget to give the podcast a five-star rating and review. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure and check out Cash Considerations, Tremendous Upside Potential. All right. Well, for Ricky, for Tad. Bye.